upon our noble master Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam let us all recite Dhuru Sharif Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Mulana Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina wa Mulana wa Ashabihi wa Barik wa Sallim the hadith sharif of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that person who recites one durood upon Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah Ta'ala will bless that person with ten blessings and one narration ten of his sins also forgiven and Allah Ta'ala will elevate his status by tenfold in the akhirah as well let us make it our duty today is the day of Yawmul Jumu'ah peace our durood and salams upon Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam let us also make it a duty and a point also that we recite Surah Kahaf also. Many virtues of reciting Surah Kahaf on the day of Yawmul Jumu'ah. This also should become a routine and a habit that we recite Surah Kahaf. If you cannot recite the entire Surah, then at least the first 10 verses, the last 10 verses. This will be a means of protection and hifazat at the time of Dajjal. And we can see in today's times how much of fitnas are coming about. Every day there's a new fitna that's coming about. So this surah will help and aid a person and assist a person in protecting him from the fitnas of Dajjal. Allah ta'ala gam isuna fastofi. Alhamdulillah, if you look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with so many ni'mats. From the time we get up in the morning till we sleep, from the time we were born to the time we pass away, we are enjoying so many ni'mats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala in the Quran and Majid says, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا That if you have to count the ni'mats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will not be able to count the ni'mats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this ayat of the Quran and Majid, Allah ta'ala uses the word ni'mah. Ni'mah in the Arabic language is a singular word. Allah speaks about one ni'mat, one bounty. Ni'mat Allah, one bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulama explain that this bounty that Allah ta'ala is referring to, otherwise we are enjoying millions of bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every thing we have is a ni'mat and a bounty. But Allah ta'ala here refers to one ni'mat. Ulama explain this ni'mat that Allah ta'ala is referring and speaking about, they say is the ni'mat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to this ummah. This is a great ni'mat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The entire life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, such a great bounty to this to this ummah. The birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa his entire life from the time he got up, how he got up, how he slept, how he interacted, how he did business, how he spoke, his entire life, such a great ni'mat and a bounty. This one ni'mat, uh, if we try to expand on it, and uh, we try to count all the ni'mats of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah ta'ala says, la tuhsuha that you'll not be able to count the bounties and the virtues that Rasulullah Sallam has bestowed upon this ummah, the ihsan of Rasulullah Sallam upon this ummah. So much of ihsan Nabi Sallam made upon this ummah. And this we see in the life of Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Talk about love. How do we appreciate this ni'mat of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? We'll find it in the life of Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That how they valued this bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in their midst. And they were the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Such a great ni'mat. Sahaba and radiallahu ta'ala, they gave their full support, their love. And together with that love was that ittiba' of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That fulfilling every command and every word of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Speak about love. What love the, Rasul, the Sahaba had for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One is the West when they explain what is love. 
And what is one is the love that a person has for Allah and Rasul sallallahu alaihi This is on a different level. That a person is prepared to sacrifice his life, his health, his wealth, everything for Allah and Rasul sallallahu alaihi This is the love that we talk that Sahaba had for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And we see it that how it was not just lip service, slogans of love. That what was in the heart it manifested itself. They showed that true love for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That is why Allah Taala had given such high status. Allah Ta'ala speaks in the Quran about Sahaba radiyallahu anhum wa anhum. Because what commitment that they had given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They committed their life, their health, their everything uh, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Their life meant nothing to them. Their life was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You look at the incident of Hazrat Zaid bin Haritha radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. A young boy. Less than the age of ten, maybe about six or seven years of age. What love and what tiba they had. They had given everything for Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Hazrat Zayd bin Haritha radiyallahu taala, a young small boy. He mentioned historians write that he was a son of one of the chiefs of Yemen, and he was traveling on one occasion with his mother, and when they were captured or they were taken as prisoners and as a Zaid radiallahu ta'ala was taken like this and he was taken to the marketplace of Ukaz and there he was sold as a slave, a young small boy, he was taken and he was sold as a slave, Hakim Nahizam was the person who purchased him from the marketplace and he had taken him to Makkah and he had given him to Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha it was a very, very lengthy incident. And he mentions that his mother returned and his father, they looked for him and they looked for him. Every time they would go, historians write on it, that his mother also went blind because of the grief and that separation of her son. Nevertheless, he was given to Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa Hakim ibn Hizam. When she made nikah to Rasulullah sallam, then she had given everything of hers, all her belongings, her properties, her businesses. She had handed it and given it to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and part of that as a gift she had given Hazrat Zaid bin Haritha radiallahu ta'ala with his young small boy to Hazrat Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa as a gift and he was his slave. And like this he grew in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Nevertheless time goes like this by and his father Haritha whenever any caravan would pass by their town then they would inquire that did you see my son Zaid? Did you meet him anywhere? Do you know about his whereabouts? And like this they would inquire and his father used to go from village to village, town to town trying to find his son Zayd. On one occasion, those that went for Hajj, at that time also they used to make Hajj in their own way. So some people were coming back and returning from Hajj and they were passing that same village. And they tell his father that we spotted Zayd radiallahu ta'ala. We have spotted him in Makkah. He is in Makkah somewhere there. So nevertheless, immediately his father calls his brother, he himself and his brother now they go towards Makkah. And they take a lot of wealth with them. And they travel to Makkah. Eventually they find Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And they put their case in front of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam That we are, the, I am the father of Zaid. And this is his uncle. And we have heard that he's in your possession. That he's with you. And we have come to purchase him. Call your price, whatever it is. We are prepared to pay you, but return our son back to us. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi he makes inquiries and he goes to Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Remember, he is a slave and he tells him and he calls him and he asks him that who are these people? And he says that this is my father, this is my uncle. And then he explains to them they have come to take you. And Nabi sallallahu tells them that he is free to go. If he wants to go with you, he is free to go, no charge. That I will not take anything as payment, but he is free to go to you if he desires and he wishes to go with you. However, if he wishes and he desires, desires to remain behind and stay with me, 
then you should not take it. So the father was very happy with that. It was a very, very fair decision. And he says, no problem. Nevertheless, when Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu is called, remember he is a slave. Now his freedom is right in front of him. All he has to do is make a decision. That my father is here, I can choose to go back with my parents and I'll be a free person. Or I, the choice is mine, I can remain behind with Nabi sallallahu in Makkah and I can choose to be a slave. And remember, a slave is not a servant or a slave is not an employee. A slave is someone who is owned by that person. You belong to him. You are a commodity. He can sell you, buy and buy you and sell you. Just like any other object of, of, of sale, any other goods that you are selling, buying and selling. He has no authority. He has no choice in any matter. He cannot even choose to make nikah slave. He has absolutely no rights. So this is presented in front of Hazrat Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That the choice is yours. You can choose your freedom and you can go now or you can choose to remain behind. Hazrat Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu at that time he makes a very very wise and intelligent choice. And he tells his father that I will remain a slave in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Now imagine giving up your freedom, giving up, going back to the house of your parents. To live in that life of comfort and luxury with your parents. He's prepared to give all that up. To live a life of slavery in the company of Rasulullah Now imagine what love and what muhabbat and what attachment this young boy had with Rasulullah This is love for Rasulullah That not only did they say it, but they manifested it as well. Nabi takes him and he goes to after that. They leave him and they go back. They return back home, his father and his uncle. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam takes Hazrat Zayd radiallahu ta'ala an and he takes him to the Baytullah and he makes an announcement that as of today Zayd is a free person. That he is no more a slave, I have set him free and I have adopted him as my son. I have adopted from that day Zayd radiallahu anhu became the adopted son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. An important lesson that if we give preference to the sunnah and to the love of Rasulullah, so what is love for Rasulullah sallam? Is adopting the sunnah lifestyle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Ittiba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That when we will adopt the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa when we will give preference of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa over everything else, over our, even, over our, even our own desires as well. Then no matter how difficult the condition may be, the circumstances may be, maybe it will not be in our favor also. But I will give preference to the sunnah and the, and the, the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Then Allah ta'ala will give izzat and honor. We find this as a Zayd radiallahu ta'ala being a slave. But when he gave preference to this Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa over himself, then Allah ta'ala made him, set him free also, and Allah ta'ala made him the adopted son of Rasulullah sallallahu When he gave preference to Rasulullah sallallahu over himself. And further on, Allah ta'ala, Hazrat Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is that only sahabi that enjoys in the Quran and Majid, he's the only sahabi whose name is mentioned in the Quran and Majid. What honor and what is that Allah Ta'ala had given Zayd radiallahu ta'ala? Being coming from his slave, being a slave. But when he gave preference to the sunnah of Rasulullah to the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And we find this across the board with all the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala that what love and what bond they had with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa To bring back and to revive every sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu in our lives. On the incident of Hudaybiyah, on the 60th of Hijrat, when Nabi Sallallahu makes the announcement and the Elan that he is going for Umrah, and Sahaba accompany Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and now he is stopped at Hudaybiyah. 
And the Quraysh of Makkah did not allow him entry into Makkah. Nevertheless, they sent a person by the name of Urwa bin Mas'ud that you go as an envoy representing the Quraysh of Makkah. And they go and they discuss and they sign a treaty that they must come back next year. They're only allowed to stay for three days in Makkah, etc. No arms, everything. They must come and they must go back. So put a whole lot of clauses was, was there. The treaty was signed for 10 years. But in that short period of time, that short span of time that Urwa bin Mas'ud, at that time he was not a believer, he was not a mu'min, he was a kafir. That short span of time that he had spent in the company of Rasulullah and the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum signing that treaty and that agreement. He goes back to Makkah and he gives a report and he explains to the people of Makkah that who are these companions of Rasulullah And he says that I was the envoy of for many times to the emperors of Rome, the rulers of Rome and Persia, uh, the king of Abyssinia. Many a times I was the, uh, I took messages and I was in their company. I was an envoy to, to them. But he says, I never saw subjects like that of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa How much of loyalty and how much of commitment and love and muhabbat that they had shown for, for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Never have I seen this in any other courts. The subject showing so much of loyalty and respect and obedience and love for their king or for their emperor like that of the Sahaba, the companions of Rasulullah for Rasulullah And then he goes and he explains the Quraysh of Makkah, what he had witnessed in that short span of time. He says, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was such that whenever he would spit or dispose of his saliva, that before the saliva even reached the ground, the Sahaba would grab his saliva and they would rub it on their body. Love and muhabbat they would have for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa He said the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would make wudu. Then before the water could even touch the ground, the floor, the sahaba would grab it in their hands and they would rub it on their bodies. And he further goes on to explain and he tells the Quraysh of Makkah that those companions who did not manage to get the water of Rasulullah while he was making wudu, they would take their hands and they would place it in those hands that had the water of Rasulullah the moisture would come into their hands and they would rub it onto their bodies. He says when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would speak, that everyone would remain silent. Everyone would would sit with such respect and adab. And he says when they were in, when they were in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa it was such that no one dared to look at the face of Rasulullah directly out of respect and adab for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa This was love and muhabbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That not only did they say it verbally, but it was coming out from the bottom of their hearts. And whatever Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would say, immediately they will practice it and implement it in their lives. This is ishq and love of Rasulullah sallallahu one incident is mentioned of Umm Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha that she was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she mentions one incident and she says and she narrates one hadith and the person who narrates this hadith from her who's narrating this hadith from Umm Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha Abasa ibn Abi Sufyan he narrates this hadith from Umm Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she says that I heard this hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu that that person who recites will read four, 12 rakats daily. Every day he will read 12 rakats of salah. Then Allah Ta'ala will build for him a palace in Jannah. The hadith is the gist of the hadith. That person who recites 12 rakats daily, then Allah Ta'ala will build for him a palace in Jannah. So she heard this hadith from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And she's narrating this hadith to Abbas Ibn Abi Sufyan. And he says that she tells him 
From the day that I'd heard this hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa she is mentioning this to Abbas ibn Abi Sufyan. That from the day that I'd heard this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that that person who read 12 rakats daily in 24 hours, 12 rakats, that Allah ta'ala will build a palace for him in Jannah. So you say, from that day till today, I haven't missed not one day 12 rakats. And that 12 rakats, they are referring to the 12 rakats that we read in our salah, sunnah and The 12 rakats of sunnah and in our five daily salah. The two rakats before the fard of fajr. The two rakats that we read before the fard of fajr salah, that is sunnah and the four rakats before the fard of zuhr, that is for sunnah and The two rakats after the fard of zuhr, that is also sunnah and muakkada. Uh, the two rakats after the fard of isha, that is also sunnah and Making twelve rakats in a day. A person who read these four, twelve rakats daily, that Allah Ta'ala promises a palace for him in Jannah. So these are sunnah and So she says that from the day I heard this from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, today she is narrating that hadith. Says a single day hasn't passed whereby I missed these twelve rakats. Now one is saying and one is practicing the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu This is how much of love and ittiba they had for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That we, unfortunately, today myself and us, what we would say is just a sunnah. So if I leave it, it's okay. It's not farz. It's a sunnah. Sahaba did not make any difference between farz and sunnah. If Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, I have to do it, then I have to do it. I don't have a choice in the matter. Today we want to make the ruling. It's only a sunnah. Allah ta'ala forgive us. And we leave it out because it's a sunnah. Sahaba did it because it was a sunnah. This was the difference between the hearts of Sahaba and our hearts. Further on the narrator, Abbas Nabi Sufyan, he goes on to say, that he says that I narrated this hadith to another person, Amr ibn Auf. And he is narrating this. And he says, Abbas ibn Abi Sufyan on his deathbed, the time of Sakarat, when he's about to pass away, meaning his entire life now was, had gone past. And now the last moments of his life, now he is narrating this hadith to Amr ibn Auf. And he's telling him, I heard this hadith from Umm Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of Rasulullah And she told me that from the day she heard this hadith, she never left it out. Every day she makes sure she did the 12 rakat of Sunnah al and he says, now my life is coming to an end. My entire life has passed by. And he's telling uh, Amr ibn Auf that not a single day from the day I heard this hadith did I not practice upon the sunnah of Rasulullah My entire life has gone by. He's on his deathbed about to pass away. He says, I haven't left this out a single day in my life. This is how they held firm onto the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Nevertheless, this person, Amr ibn Auf, he further goes on and he narrates this incident to another person, Nu'man bin Salih, who is a very, very pious person, as well, and on his life, was the ending of his life, he narrates this incident to this person, Nu'man bin Salih, and he tells him, since the day I heard this hadith, never did I leave it out. We're not talking about far salah, We're not talking about wajib salah, we're talking about one sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu And Nu'man bin Saleh, when he narrates this, and he says, from the time I heard this hadith, never did I leave it out. And the pious people of the past, that they held firm onto the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They had firm yaqeen and conviction in the words of Rasulullah sallallahu That absolutely there's no doubt in this. Just yesterday we was in a mashura, and when Mawlana was, Ali was bringing up this point, that a person comes and he says, 
We find this happening all the time. But this is reality. And we have to say it sometimes. The person told us, Maulana, in the mashura yesterday we were in a workshop. And he said, Maulana, it's only a sunnah. I don't have to wear the top. This is a reality. I'm telling what we heard in the mashura. came and Maulana, this is only a sunnah. I don't have to wear the top. Brothers, we should think carefully what we are saying. This is a sunnah and practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It cannot just be only a sunnah. This was the way and lifestyle of my Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If we claim to say, I love my Nabi, then it must show also, not only in the heart. Sahaba had it in their heart, but they manifested that love as well. Hazrat Talha radiallahu ta'ala, Talha bin Ubaidullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was one of the Ashara Mubashara. None of us sitting here has any guarantee we're going into Jannah. We don't even have guarantee we're going to leave with Iman this world also. Talha bin Ubaidullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was from amongst the Ashara Mubashara. That Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in his lifetime gave the sahabi the glad tidings of Jannah. That you are a Jannati. Abu Bakr fil Jannah, Umar fil Jannah, Uthman fil Jannah, Talha, Ali fil Jannah, Talha fil Jannah, Zubair fil Jannah. Like this he mentioned 10 sahaba and said these are the Ashara, Mubashara, that they have guaranteed Jannah and secure Jannah. This sahabi at the time of the battle of Uhud, the, the, the tables had turned. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wearing a double arm on that day. And he was tired, extremely tired. Uh, the enemies were firing arrows at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He was their target. The rumors had spread that Rasulullah had passed away. Nevertheless, some sahaba gathered around and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of them was Hazrat Talha radiallahu ta'ala. Remember, he was already given the glad tidings of Jannat. He was a Jannati. Today we are not Jannati, but we say only a Sunnat. Nevertheless, the arrows are coming. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is tired, extremely tired. He cannot walk. So they tell Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we should go to a higher place, climb up the mountain, so it will be much more safer there for you to rest. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam does not have the ability, the strength to climb up. He's wearing a double armor. Talha bin Ubaidullah he puts himself on the ground and he says, Oh Nabi of Allah, put your feet on my back and I will raise it and you can climb the mountain like this. He goes onto the ground on his four knees. Nabi Sam stands on his back and like this he climbs up that hill. And after Nabi Sallallahu the arrows come. A person by the name of Qais, he mentions that I saw the arrows being firing at Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and I saw Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidullah using his hands protecting Nabi Sallallahu from those arrows. And as those arrows came, I saw one one arrow cutting off and slicing off the fingers of Hazrat Talha radiallahu ta'ala. A person who's guaranteed Jannah. Nabi Sallallahu on this occasion, he makes a dua for Talha radiallahu ta'ala and he says that Talha radiallahu ta'ala has made Jannah wajib for him. This was Sahaba radiallahu That love that they had in their heart, they manifested and they showed it also. Hazrat Jabi radiallahu and he says, after the incident of Uhud, he comes and he sees Talha radiallahu he sees that very same hand is now paralyzed. There's no life in it. There's no feeling in it. Why? In the protection of Rasulullah But yet, guaranteed Jannah, they did not feel any insignificance. That I have to practice upon it. This was the difference of Sahaba and us today. I'm talking for myself first. That whether it's a sunnah or not, then we need to tend, tend to leave it out. When I get the time, when I get the chance, I will read it, read it. If I don't have the chance, it's fine. It's only a sunnah. And like there's so many Sahaba, uh, how they would give their life for Rasulullah What yaqeen and what conviction they had in Rasulullah words. That if I do this, I promise Jannah. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu on the time of Hijrat, when he was the Amir al-Mu'min and became the Khalifa, sitting on the member of Kufa, the people ask him, Oh Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, you are Amir al-Mu'mineen. We heard about the incident 
the night of Hijrat, when Hijrat took place, we know the incident of Hijrat, how Nabi Sama left. He said, Oh Ali, explain to us, we heard about it, but tell us, you are the one that slept on the bed of Rasulullah. Explain to us that night, how did you pass that night? Knowing for the fact that the Quraysh had made mashura already, they had surrounded that house, and they were going to enter, and they were going to kill and assassinate Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you sleeping and lying on the bed of Rasulullah, remember there's no lights. It's dark. They're not going to see who's lying, who's sleeping on that bed. They know that's the bed of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Nabi Sam told you to sleep on his bed. How did you pass that night? Explain to us. We want to hear it directly from you. And then he says that night that I spent in the bed of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That was the best night in my entire life. He said the sleep that I had that night was the best sleep in my entire life. And then he makes one statement and he says one he says one sentence, one statement. And this is something for us to ponder. That he said I knew for the fact when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam told me to lie down in his bed, and he gave me those instructions that tomorrow whatever amanat that I have of the people of Makkah, that you must discharge this amanat, give it back to the people. They used to keep their belongings with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They say, you know who these items belong to, that you will discharge and give back everyone's belongings. And he tells, and he tells him, thereafter, O oh Ali, I will see you in Medina. So he says, this statement, I will see you in Medina. I knew 101% had full yaqeen and conviction in the statement that I was not going to die that night. That I was going to see Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa I was going to meet Rasulullah sallallahu So what worry did I have to have? I had no worry. I slept most peaceful that night, knowing for the fact that no harm will come to me. Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa told me, Oh Ali, I will see you in Medina. This is the conviction and the yaqeen and the trust that Sahaba had in the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And they showed it also. Today, we speak about love. But is the lifestyle and the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in our lives? So what love are we professing? Just a few weeks ago, it was the month of Ramadan. Alhamdulillah, we saw a different environment. The masajid were full. People were coming early to the masjid. Tilawat of Quran and Majid was being recited in the masajid in the homes. People were practicing upon the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa People were wearing the libas of Rasulullah sallallahu Outwardly and inwardly, we saw the sunnah of Rasulullah coming alive. Uh, people reading the salah with jamaat in the masjid. And there was a different environment. Now we have to ask ourselves, the month of Ramadan has passed. Do we practice on the sunnah and the laws of Allah and Rasul only in the month of Ramadan? Or only in the month of Rabiul Awwal, we speak about the life and the seerah of Rasulullah Then what love and what ittiba is this? How will we confront Rasulullah on the day of Qiyamah? When we will have to come in front of him at the Hoda Kosar, uh, to drink water, and when the angels and the malaik will tell us, will chase us away and say, these are not your ummati, they were from your ummat. What did they do after you passed away? How will Rasulullah recognize his followers? We have to ask ourselves, on that day when I'm standing in that line to drink water from the Hoda Kosar, will Nabi Sallallahu recognize me? Alhamdulillah, we are going for Umrah, we are going for Hajj, we are standing in front of the Rosa Mubarak of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We are making salam to Rasulullah Sallallahu Wasallam, and we have this yaqeen and this trust and our aqeedah and our belief is that Rasulullah Sallallahu is replying to our salam. But ask ourselves, that the, the condition that I'm standing in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was to come in front of me and look at me. Will he be happy to see me in this condition? Do I look like the sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? One is to say I have love for Rasulullah in my heart. That we all have to have. And one is to manifest and show that love. Sahaba showed it.
by giving their life. Zayd bin Haritha prepared to be a slave. That was love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah ta'ala got uh, to inculcate every sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu No sunnah of Rasulullah never should we say, if you not practice upon, him, upon that sunnah, then make the niyat and the intention to start practicing upon it. But never ever say, that is only a sunnah. These words are very, very dangerous. That is only a sunnah. Allah forbid, it mustn't happen on our deathbed, we are deprived of iman because of this. Allah Ta'ala grant me first the tawfiq uh, to bring every sunnah alive in my life. And Allah Ta'ala grant us each one of us the tawfiq to bring the sunnah alive in the entire ummah of Rasulullah.